Hello and welcome to the Strangles Awareness Week podcast, which aims to give horse owners a real insight into preventing and managing the disease. Strangles is a horrible disease in horses that, as the name suggests, can be extremely unpleasant for the horses affected. Strangles Awareness Week, led by Red Wings Horse Sanctuary, is the first week in May and is supported by a wide range of welfare organisations, research institutes and companies who are all calling on equestrians around the world not to wait for an outbreak before they improve their biosecurity measures. With these podcast episodes, we aim to inspire open conversations about strangles and learning about biosecurity, so more yards and horse owners make disease prevention a part of their everyday life. I'm your host, Giddy Rydant, and in this episode today, we hear about a groundbreaking strangles management effort in Dartmoor. Common's ponies characteristically have a very hands-off management approach, which poses a challenge for disease prevention and outbreak management. Yet they are in contact, directly or indirectly, with other local horses in the area or via market or sales. I hand over the interview seat to Helen Whiteleg, Research and Policy Manager at Red Wings. She was part of the team who helped in the testing and treatment of a large group of ponies in Dartmoor in 2021. Helen has a conversation with Drew Butterfield, the Chief Executive of the Dartmoor Pony Heritage Trust, and Tracy Lear, who is one of the pony keepers on Dartmoor to get their take on the outbreak experience. We also hear from Strangles expert and Red Wings vet, Nick DeBorah, who will explain how the effort bucked the trend in transmission and put a stop to ponies spreading the disease beyond the moor. Over to Helen, Drew and Tracy. So by catching up with Drew and Tracy today, I just wanted to find out a little bit more about their own experience of the disease and perhaps sharing some of what they've learned from the past year and any messages that you'd like to share with other horse owners, perhaps. So to start with, welcome Drew and Tracy. And could you perhaps just very briefly tell us about sort of your involvement with Dartmoor and the ponies that live there, please? Drew, I don't know if you want to go first. Yeah. Um, good morning, Helen. Um, so I'm the chief executive of the Dartmoor Pony Heritage Trust. We were established in 2005 and it was to secure the future of the Dartmoor Pony uh, here on Dartmoor. And I suppose one of the things that we have is some land. We have 450 hectares of conservation grazing land up on. Um, it's actually in the geographical centre of Dartmoor. We have an area of land which we don't own the ponies that we run across this area. We actually allow pony keepers, which we were, have been working and supporting for a number of years, and we allow them to bring their ponies onto the site. And we work, we work with them in a number of ways, but we actually provide that land. They bring their ponies onto it. And we use the ponies to increase biodiversity and manage the land. And we find that the site works really, really well. The ponies normally come on um, anywhere from around 18 months old, um, as long as they're um, strong enough to manage the harsh Dartmoor winters. Um, and we use it as a growing on site. And that we have at the moment five different pony keepers and we're currently running up to sort of 27 ponies. And... As I said, the area is um, in the geographical centre of the moor. Um, last July, uh, no, let's go back. Actually, it was last June. 
a neighboring farmer moved some infected ponies onto the site. So our ponies were butted up um, on a fence line to some infected ponies that had moved in. And they were literally going up to each other and the infected ponies were breathing on our ponies. And we had a choice. And the choice was, do we allow our ponies just to run through and, and become infected and let things pass? Or do we actually say, mm -mm, we've got strangles? Now, well, there was two things that happened. One, our site has about 30,000 people walking through it and they go on to neighbouring areas. Now, those neighbouring areas are called new takes. A new take is an enclosed area of um, moorland. Uh, usually with um, a new take is, um, has um, stone walls, but ours has stone walls and fence line. And that's how our ponies became infected because our ponies literally went up to the fence line, breathed on the infected ponies. 21 late days later, bang, our ponies started showing the snots and abscesses started forming. So we felt one, 30,000 people over a period of time, busy summer months, were they gonna go up to our ponies? So we had to start getting all the, um, and we actually downloaded your Red Wings posters, which were very useful. Thank you very much for that. So oh, that, you're very welcome. That was, good a to great, know. that was a great start. Good to um, know. Yeah, we, we um, digested the, uh, the Red Wings website and started looking at how we should start informing people. And then we kind of thought, well, what else is going on in what, what do we do? Because there's, a, there's one of those kind of sayings, oh, well, you know, strangles has always been on the moor. You're never going to get rid of it. But we thought, well, hang on a minute. We're in the geographical centre of the moor. Yes, it's always been around, but this is this just doesn't feel right. We've got five different pony keepers here. We've, we're growing on site, but we're actually ready to move some ponies off. And if we move them off and move them back to farm, are we not just spreading this around? Because we haven't had strangles on the moor for a long, long time. And it started up again. Now, where did it come from? And where is it going? And we, we are responsible for these ponies. And as the responsible owner at this time, because we hold the passports, we need to take some responsibility here. We also need to stop anybody riding through the site because it was full of bridle paths. So we actually shut it down and said, please stop riding through this site. We have infected animals. So that was the first thing we did. We put up signage and said, please don't go up to the ponies. Keep away from our livestock. It's really important. We, we inform people. We don't kind of put it under the carpet and just keep quiet. And we also stopped all equine users from the hunt and through to any, any pleasure riding. So that wasn't terribly popular because our site is Forestry Commission and people love going through all the tracks. You can imagine 450 hectares. So that wasn't terribly popular, but that's what we did. We informed our pony keepers and we said, is this OK if we do this? Because ultimately they're your ponies, but we're going to go ahead and investigate. Is there a treatment plan for these ponies? So then we had to look at a collaborative approach. So the collaborative approach was to look at 27 ponies with snots, with abscesses, asked the public not to go near them. And of course, 27, 27 ponies are fairly friendly when they've got all this public interaction. 
we had to ask the public not to ride through, not to go, go near them. And then we also had to say, help. What the heck are we going to do? And there was a fair amount of people saying, don't be stupid. You, you just let it ride its course. And we thought, but we want to do something because we actually want to be able to move these ponies off. And we'd also heard that you get something called carriers. And we didn't really know what carriers were and we didn't really know how it worked. So we had to get a quite a lot of knowledge. And by reading the Red Wings information overnight, I kind of became a bit of a, you know, self-obsessed um, kind of thinking, well, there has to be a new way forward. So the first thing is I contacted um, by being a National Equine Welfare Council member, I contacted Red Wings Direct and got involved with this chap called Nick. Um, and I'm going to get his name wrong, but I think it's something like Nick De Brewer. Um, <laughs> but I think it might even be Nick De Brewer, who was very good. Fantastic. Well, thank you. It was absolutely amazing. And we had a number of conversations. I also contacted our Dartmoor Livestock Protection Officer um, from the Dartmoor Livestock Protection Society, who was also a member of the National Equine Welfare Council. And of course, the third member of the um, kind of the triangle was the um, Marinfold Sanctuary. And between us, we got together. And I will always say, if you're going to try and track, you know, go for strangles, you have to work in collaboration. And collaboration really is the name of the game. So together, three charities literally took on strangles. And it was that kind of approach and working with pony keepers and having that attitude that you can do something. Strangles doesn't have to overtake you and it doesn't have to be frightening or scary. And for, for our own sins as a charity, the Dartmoor Pony Heritage Trust had previously in the February said, asked and requested the public to be aware that there were other areas of Dartmoor and not to go up to the ponies, not to feed them, not to, not to interact with them. And that message really had come back and bit us on the butt because here we were with our own ponies, suddenly with this horrible infection. And we really did see some ghastly sights. When you see your own ponies, you know, gasping for breath with massive, massive abscesses, attacking them under the throat, in the cheeks, in the face, what surprised me is when we came up with the treatment plan and Nick agreed to come down and the Mayor and Foles Sanctuary supplied us with all of their panelling. They supplied us with all of their, their girls and their staffing. And then the Mayor and Foles Sanctuary provided us funding. And then our own charity put a huge amount of funds in as well. You know, we're talking sort of £15,000 and I still haven't had the final cost from, from Nick about the investment that we put in to actually clean our site up. But I think it's been worth every single penny. And then I look at what Tracy, and Tracy's gonna to speak to you in a minute as a oh. pony keeper. But if we hadn't done this, it would have been massive faux pas on our part that it's so important because our site would have stayed forever infected and we will have had carriers forevermore, which means every time a naive pony came onto our site, we would continue to infect and riders 
would come onto our side and we would have infectious ponies and you would never ever get rid of it. And I know now that by January, we will have a clean herd and we will start to vaccinate against strangles. And we know that we are going to be clear and that yes, there may be strangles out on Dartmoor, but we now know a very clear route how to exit strangles. And yes, it's been a costly way forward in time, in resource and effort, but the learning that's come through it has been incredibly important. So would we do it again? Most definitely. Was it an incredibly difficult, hard, and would I say it was a negative start? Yes. Did we turn it into one of the most positive, fantastic opportunities this charity has had? Yes. Why? Because it was all about collaboration. And I think this is a great opportunity to hand over to um, one of the pony keepers who has been integral to that. Mm. Thank you so much for that, Drew. That's that's fascinating, and yeah, covers so much of the 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 physical challenges of the disease, but also the sort of the the mental challenges and the financial burden as well. So yeah, it's a perfect time to bring bring Tracy in. And as Drew mentioned, Tracy, you're you're one of those pony keepers. Could you perhaps just start by saying how long you've been a pony keeper, how many sort of ponies you have, how important looking after them on the moor is, and then perhaps how you first realised that um, some of your own ponies had been infected with the disease? Hi, yes, thank you, um, Helen and Drew. That was a comprehensive explanation of what, what's been in, involved. Um, so we are a common English family and both our families you can track that occupation going back over hundreds hundreds of years so we currently maintain or are the guardians of Mark's family's we have ponies running on the open common and we also have ponies um, from the heritage Dartmoor um, background who we keep on an enclosed common and we choose to select a couple of mares every year and use the Dartmoor Pony Society um, stallion new take scheme which is championed by um, Prince Charles and the Duchy of Cornwall so we try and keep the breeding of the ponies and keep them on the moor but in a sustainable way. We also obviously are linked in with um, Drew and the and the centre. Um, so our ponies, when they are foals, they tend to go to Drew for some foundation handling, and that is generally over a three day period. We've then been very fortunate enough to be able to put one of our um, heritage mares with a one of our first um, new take scheme foals into Belava. Um, he's a very happy little chap very nosy and unfortunately he was one of the first ones to go down with the strangles disease in Belava um, although we didn't go up ourselves we were trying to be mindful of the fact we're obviously around um, the pon- our ponies off the Belava new take we understand that he he was very very poorly with the disease process and very very sorry for him for, very sorry for himself and 
had abscesses under his chin and he's very depressed and and not his sunny little character that he normally is so that was um and very concerning we've been hearing things from people involved um with the ponies um across the moor that it was particularly virulent strain of the disease and was making the ponies extremely poorly um and very very difficult to manage on the open that was was it was it a phone call when you when you found out about the the fact that that youngster had had contracted the disease that must have been quite a quite a difficult day when when you knew that yeah one of your own had been infected could you would you mind just for the recording sort of talking us through what happened and how you felt about that um well drew drew and Maria, who who is um, the lady sort of who keeps an eye on the ponies up on the moor, plus other other people who are involved um, with Belliver and the pony new take. We're keeping a very close eye on the ponies and try to put some steps in place. But it is a wild space, so we were kind of you kind of know it was going to happen, and just very yes, it was sad. You know, it's something you don't want to hear. Your livestock of um, become infected or are poorly and we would just all we could do at that stage really is let the disease run its course and keep your fingers your fingers crossed it's very difficult to know and 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 then if you then what could we do with them um, I mean bringing them back onto the farm was one thing but then it's isolation and biosecurity and trying to protect the other the other ponies so you have to be mindful of all those all those things all the time and try not to spread it of course yeah no that's that's really and that's a whole no, other layer of work on, on top of a, an already busy it, life isn't it? it yes it is yeah 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 that's it and um yeah so we were just very mindful um but these guys were brilliant and kept us informed of how things were progressing but we know it ran through ran through the herd basically so there's peaks and peaks and troughs and yeah it, it it happens unfortunately touch wood he's come out the other side so um that's that's great to hear good news yes absolutely we now hear from nick as he explains his role and what he was hoping to achieve with testing all 27 ponies Nick De Brewer is Red Wing's resident strangles expert as head of welfare and behaviour, as well as chairman of the National Equine Welfare Council. He was an integral part of the outbreak management team down on Dartmoor. It's believed that strangles have probably been present on Dartmoor on and off over the last you know, decades, but it hasn't been a known problem until about 2019-20 when an outbreak started that led to quite significant disease in a lot of ponies across the moor and it's a huge space. The horses can roam but they tend to stay in fairly narrow areas close to their home range and yet it still managed to spread possibly through um, human traffic, animals moving, buying and selling. There's a lot of ways in which the disease can spread and Dartmoor really has this time round by the looks of it suffered a really bad case of it as in it's really affected a lot of horses. So the two areas that we're helping in is the drift sale is when Dartmoor ponies are collected and then uh, put through a sale in October. Um, and there's a real effort to ensure that the ponies that go through the sale are free from strangles, but we can't get all the testing necessarily done. 
uh, to guarantee that. So also there's a huge effort gone into stopping contamination of one group of ponies to another should there be any infectious disease there. Hopefully one of the things Red Wings can do is be the voice from outside that can calm people's worries when they perhaps are either thinking not enough has been done or too much has been done and it's a waste of money. And separately to that, a organisation that exists to promote and protect the indig- you know, the, the, the rare Dartmoor pony have had dart, uh, strangles get into the herd of ponies that they are looking after. There were 26 and then with a foal, 27 ponies. And the outbreak has burned through that herd with quite devastating effect. It's been apparently quite uh, sad to see how sick some of the ponies were. The best thing we could do was to go down and work with their vets and their team. And we screened all of the ponies. Um, so we collected blood samples and we did guttural pouch endoscopy so that we could collect samples from where we know infection tends to harbour and linger in carriers to try and help them understand how many of their horses had been affected and where they had been affected but were perhaps going to become carriers. We could treat them so that those horses could be cleansed of the disease. And we've been down to do that and we now have sampled all those horses and we've got an idea of what's going on and we now want to go back because we, we treated a few of the ponies but we've got a couple more to treat. So uh, we're really keen to try and get the local vets and the local owners to be able to do this work that we do routinely. Um, But we realise that some of the cases are actually just quite tricky and it's better that we get those horses mended and use that as a teaching opportunity and to share experiences with the vets down there. Um, And there's some very experienced vets down there who actually work on strangles as well. So we um, were partnered by staff from the Mare and Foal Sanctuary that is very close by um, and the local equine practice. So we've got some really good sort of partners to try and help um, the Dartmoor Pony Heritage Trust. But this is really just one step in trying to help the whole of Dartmoor mm. work out. And we, we're also keen to talk to them about the role of future testing and the uh, vaccine, which we're expecting to be released in the next six months in the UK which we believe will make a, a significant difference to the ability of individual owners to protect their horses from strangles on a huge piece of land where maybe they can't control, for example, the, the disease status of horses that move through Dartmoor. And so this is a very complicated challenge and one where we think it's worth now putting quite a bit of effort into it because we can see a window of opportunity of actually long-term prevention being realistic on Dartmoor. Let's get back to the horse keeper perspective on strangles and how that's changed since working closely with Nick and seeing the benefits of scoping to stop future outbreaks. So can I, can I ask, I know Drew mentioned that a lot of people have, have felt that uh, strangles has always been around you're part of a family that's been commoning for for a long time is strangles something that gets talked about very regularly is it something that you've come across yourself before or and, and how does sort of the perception on Dartmoor affect how you feel about the disease um I think that the, there's been outbreaks before I think generally the perception is to let it run its course and then the pony seems to pick up and, and go on. Um, but I think 
what is the game changer is the scoping and the the physical evidence of what is still um, at the back of them in the guttural pouches and that's sort of area at the pony's nose that this stuff is dormant and you're just going to go round round again kind of um, kind of thing so you can you know we, we run under the assumption that once we're not seeing the clinical signs it's all done and dusted but I think it's the silent carriers and what you, what we don't what we didn't know in the past we didn't know but now we you know the evidence is there um, and you can't guarantee that that pony although they, they've had strangles and they might have a level of you know immunity but they might be having these chondral these sort of postural chondrules up their nose um and then it's just another incident waiting to happen unfortunately yeah definitely um and you both sort of were were on the ground when Nick was doing some of the scoping of of the ponies um I just wonder it's not something that people have often come across before actually seeing um guttural patch endoscopy in process I just wonder how how you found watching what happens and and what you learned from it and whether you'd recommend it as a process for other horse owners who have an infected horse for, for me in my experience so I was um helping to just base uh, once the ponies were sedated um I was essentially my role was to assist um with the, the position of the pony's head all the ponies tolerated the the endoscope going up their nose extremely well, extremely well. You then could visualise, or Nick visualised and was very good at explaining what he could see. He'd um, and we also used the um, there was a video endoscope, so it was sort of like on a screen, so you could you know visually see what was going on and the um, lavaging process. So the the um, washing out the ponies noses if they when they needed it and the gr- the basket grass was going down and pulling out the the hard sort of pebble like structures which was the pus that is just sitting there waiting to cause a problem at a later stage so for me it it was uh, well managed uh, the ponies remained standing throughout and they just recovered really gently put in their own space left to recover and then they trudled off and started eating grass as soon as they sort of um felt less sedated so for me it wasn't a stressful experience it wasn't you know it's not a pleasant experience but it wasn't an extremely stressful experience um for the ponies I think for me it was the biggest surprise was the ponies (laughs) that I thought weren't didn't have you know I I'd been saying to some of the farmers oh, your pony hasn't got it, it's immune, it must have already had strangles, they actually proved to be the worst cases. That's interesting, goodness. Yeah, it it wasn't actually until we got inside of them that we realised they actually were the ones that were potentially the carriers um, or would have been carriers. So they, they were kind of stuffed full of it. So it is. be careful what you think. Don't... For goodness sake, if you if you kind of if your animals have been near an infected pony and they don't show signs, don't think that your animal is clear (laughs) because (laughs) what is inside is a totally different story. Um, So that that was a a massive surprise for me uh, because there was one one mare that I can remember ringing up the farmer saying, oh, she's absolutely fine. She's got no signs at all of being 
of having any form of infection. And the farmer saying to me, oh, she's probably had it and she's probably got complete immunity. And um, when Nick did the scope, she was rammed. Um, and that would have been a pony under stress that would have started shedding. And then she would have, um, you know, to a naive pony would have um, been, been a real problem. So that just goes to show that um, for, for any folks out there that, uh, you know, that old, old saying, never assume, because it no. makes you and me, it really does. Appearances can be very deceptive, can't they? Yeah, we learned so much through the process um, and there is still so much to learn. And that's why mm. we've done, you know, we, we're really proud to be part of this research study as well. And um, that, that, that's just why we're, we're so pleased to be part of this kind of going forward um, process. Fantastic. No, it's, it's great. And, and I'm right in thinking, aren't they, that uh, actually a quite high percentage of the 27 ponies in your care actually yeah. did have um it's as i know statistically we, it's, it's yeah. often, you know 10 percent, but i, I yeah, think you blew that stat out of the water didn't yeah you? we completely blew it out of the water and that that was the other big shock we we thought that um i think nick had said to us oh yeah we'll be looking at a sort of 10 percent." and there was me thinking oh that's fine you know he'll come down he'll do one and I think on the first day we were all there in the pouring rain and, and we were all feeling a bit sorry for ourselves, but we were making great progress. Day two came and it was not great progress and it was all going very, very slowly. Um, and then we got the results back and, and we hit 11 um, mm. came back as as positive and that was horrific and we were thinking, oh God, we're doing really badly. Um and and they were really quite quite stuffed up. Uh, with Dartmoor, it's obviously a highly populated area in terms of the ponies on on the moors and the numbers of people involved. Do, do you think that the the project and the scoping, the sort of real groundbreaking in terms of the the care of ponies that live the semi-feral sort of lifestyle as yours do? Do you think that this has changed the way you think about how? Um, semi-feral ponies can be managed in these sorts of environments with regards to infectious disease in the future? Um, well, one of the things it's definitely made us consider is that um, overall management of ponies on the moor, it's, it's made us think very hard about this whole subject of management because ponies are semi-feral, which means that they are brought in they they're always brought in at least once a year our, our, our ponies are more managed than that our ponies are brought in for hoof trimming um worm counts and because it's a very public site they do have interactions so we have to have manage them more than maybe ponies out on the common but working with our our farmers one of the things that worries me is the way that we have reacted to this this new strangles outbreak because we haven't had one for a few years is what lessons are we learning and how would we react to a new outbreak of any particular disease because this is the first of maybe something new that may come along and it was that and i keep coming back to the word of collaboration um bringing ponies in 
looking at how we're disinfecting, looking at how we're moving, looking at transport, how, how did it affect the market? So ponies came into market this year and they had screens put up. Did the ponies react better? Was, was the handling better? So it's not just what the DPHT learned in the way that we were selling ponies, but I think it's had a massive knock-on effect everywhere that has been a huge benefit to actually the overall welfare of the ponies. I think the ponies are being handled differently that, that's had a, a, an improvement overall. I think many questions are being asked everywhere. Has it knocked the value? No, I think actually value has gone up. I think by not putting it under the carpet, we turned it from a negative into a positive and actually said, we've got really good quality ponies. If you want one of our ponies, what we're going to do is say, hands up, we've got strangles. If you want to buy one of our ponies, we can guarantee it hasn't got strangles but you're gonna to have to pay now a bit more because we produce really good quality stock. You're also gonna to have to go on the waiting list because we, because we don't produce very many. And what we do produce are fantastic because we're really open, we're really honest, we're really transparent about everything that we do. So if you come to us, you can trust us because we don't put things under the rug. We're really, really open. So rather than going, shh, shh, don't mention it. You can come to Dartmoor and you can come here. And if you want a strangles test, we'll do it. In fact, we won't offer it. We'll insist on it. And do you know the other thing we're going to do for our herd and to our pony keepers that want to be part of what we do, we're going to vaccinate to protect them further. So we're going to keep going the extra, extra, extra hog. And I think that's really all we can ever offer. We can't eradicate strangles, but what we can do is go the extra step. That's fantastic. And that's, I think, yes, you're absolutely right. That openness and the, the trust that people can have. And from the, the sort of figures that you were talking about in terms of the cost of a strangles outbreak, what you're suggesting, those marginal extra costs for buying a good quality pony that's got that clean bill of health is, is well worth the investment when you're protecting yourself from the the risks of having those horrific costs associated with an outbreak. So yes, it's a little bit more, but money well spent, you, you'd like to think. When, whenever anybody buys a pony mm. and then they get it home and they get strangles two weeks later or three weeks later, and then their love, their, their, you know, their hunter or their dressage horse or their, because they've just bought their kid's pony or they've bought a companion pony for two, three, six thousand pounds. Or, they, you know, they've just spent two thousand pounds on a nice Dartmoor or five thousand pounds. And then they wish they'd never come to Dartmoor. Well, what I want is people who are so grateful they came to Dartmoor because they bought it from the Dartmoor Pony Heritage Trust. 
I want a name that everybody goes, what an amazing reputation that charity's got. I'm so glad I went to the DPHT. Brilliant. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense on, on many, many levels, not least for, for pony welfare. So, yeah. yeah. No. And how, how do you feel, Tracy? And, and what sort of feedback are you getting from, from other commoners that you speak to and interact with about how the project has gone? I think from, from experiencing um, this and being on the ground and helping, I'm all for it. And hopefully as people understand the disease disease process and like drew was saying you think you've got clean ponies after the disease has been through and in fact potentially you do you you don't then hopefully you know as people learn that things will evolve and and change and we can adapt and have a you know use use veterinary medicine and science to move pony keeping forward so I, I agree so, yeah, I guess a lot of it is about keeping up to date, isn't it? I mean, Strangles, I know, is constantly sort of presenting new challenges the more we find out about it. But, um, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Think... yes, there's a lot of that. talking to Nick about it. There's so many variables and the different the different strains. And it's a very complex picture once you start, on, you know, um, picking picking through um, things and having those conversations, but knowledge is power. Um, mm, absolutely. And can I just, uh, just to sort of, um, to close with perhaps just a couple of what you would say to other horse owners in, in whatever circumstance they, they keep their own horse and whatever, pur- whatever purposes they have them for, if they um, are, think that their horse might, or they have a confirmed infection what would you say to them to try and share some of what you've learned over the past year? Would, what would be your top messages or top tips for an owner who perhaps hasn't come across the disease before and is faced with having to deal with it? Oh, get in early. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Tracy. Nick, Nick, Nick said, and, and I'd agree with it, get in early. If you, if you suspect you've got strangles, treat early, don't leave it. The quicker you can treat it, definitely scope immediately. Uh, that that was definitely absolutely critical if you can don't leave it um, get in and scope that animal as fast as you possibly can because it's that that seemed to be the most important way of your your, your treatment key key thing that, that came out of everything we learned uh, and what about you Tracy yeah I would say speak to your vet look at what you guys have done and the information that you guys have put out put out there and there's people that can you know get good advice not just any old advice go to the right people for the right advice and you know there's tools out there to help you and and your animal get through um what can be a very nasty Mm. um disease process and what what about the sort of the the stigma that they're still is to some extent about the disease Uh, you've talked both fantastically about the importance of being open if anyone says oh I'm worried about going public about the fact that my horse has been diagnosed with strangles how would you encourage people to share that information and to to be open about it I think for me you know it's being transparent open honest utilizing what you guys 
are doing in the veterinary profession is is doing is a way to combat um, the disease and any negative um, connotations around the around the disease. Um, and you know, the, the, there are things there now to help manage it, control it, and eradicate it. Fabulous, thank you. Any final thoughts from you, Drew? Yeah, there's a um, for me. Um, None of this would have been possible, firstly, without the National Equine Welfare Council, which I think is absolutely amazing point of reference. It, none of this would have happened if, if we hadn't turned to that. Um, and then a, an enormous thank you to Red Wings, to the Merrinfold Sanctuary, and without Carla McKechnie, who is invaluable on Dartmoor, who is our livestock protection officer, who is, is a daily point of reference and to the Dartmoor Livestock Protection Society. Without that collaboration, we would have fallen flat on our face. And, and to our pony keepers who are there to secure the future of the Dartmoor pony. So a massive, massive thank you to everybody um, and to the Dartmoor pony who is our daily inspiration. Massive thanks on behalf of Helen and myself to Drew and Tracy for the time they've taken to share their story and pass on what they've learnt to other people. Whether you are listening before, during or after Strangles Awareness Week, we would like to sincerely thank you for downloading this podcast. We'd love to invite you to subscribe and share this podcast with other equestrians. Please don't forget to follow Strangles Awareness Week on social media for more ways to get involved and improve health in your horse, on your yard and globally.